Welcome to Hang Your Hat. This is episode 21, Read Him and Weep. There are a lot of holidays, festivals, and national days related to reading, and it's easy to see why. Reading is a universally loved activity. It can be enjoyed by young and old, rich or poor, tall or short, athletic or sedentary. Books can transport you to anywhere from down the street to imaginary worlds. Through books, we have experiences that we would never be able to have in real life and live in another person's shoes. Books are transformative. I, for one, can't think of a much better way to spend the day than reading a big book. But even the best book can be spoiled by a bad place to read it. Today on Hang Your Hat, I'm going to discuss what makes the perfect place to read. There are only two things that are truly requirements for a great reading spot. A comfy place to sit and good lighting. What is comfy is inherently subjective. After all, everyone is different. Our bodies are all different, and the positions we like to sit in while we read will likewise be different. But all is not lost in the quest for the perfect reading chair. We do not have to search blindly, sitting in chair after chair, day after day, year after year in the quest for the perfect chair, nor do we have to settle for a chair that is not quite right. There are guidelines we can all follow to help us focus in on the one perfect chair in a sea of chairs. At the risk of starting with the obvious, most people will prefer an upholstered chair to a wood, metal, or plastic chair that doesn't have upholstery, especially if you're going to be doing some long-haul reading. After a couple of hours of reading, a hard chair is likely to start hurting your bum. That's because while you are seated, about half of your body's weight is supported by the area just under and closely surrounding your seat bones. The pressure in that area can get up to 100 PSI with a hard flat seat. The addition of cushioning and seat contouring helps distribute the pressure over a wider area, which is going to be more comfortable for the long haul. You probably should not have a seat that's too cushy though. The body sinks into too much cushion, which restricts movement. Restricted movement will lower blood circulation, increase body temperature in the constrained areas, and the compression under the thighs increases. These things are all uncomfortable. The recommended thickness of a seat cushion is one and a half to two inches, made up of a soft compressible top layer and a firm, less compressible bottom layer. For the interior designers out there that want their chairs to look as nice as they are comfortable, down cushions are very resilient and should look nice and new for years. For fabric, it's good to go with something that is both comfortable and durable, and washable or stain resistant if your chair is likely to be in high traffic areas or kid zones. High quality velvet, twill, cotton, linen, and leather are all good choices. And there are more and more indoor-outdoor fabrics available that have a soft hand that would stand up well in areas where spills are likely. For the overall structure of the chair, one with the high back is generally preferred for long-term use because they support trunk weight better. Ideally, the chair's back would support both the back and the head to reduce strain. A 36-inch chair back would do this for about 95% of the population, but it's best to find one that is in proportion to the person that will be using the chair especially if the chair has any back support contouring. Lower back cushioning that hits your shoulder blades is not comfortable at all. 
According to ergonomics, the best seat back angle in general is between 100 and 110 degrees, which is really upright. 90 degrees is completely perpendicular to the floor, and 100 degrees is only 10 degrees away from 90. The reason is that if you are sitting upright, this angle doesn't put too much pressure on your spine. The alternative, which I think marathon readers might prefer, is a seat back that is quite reclined, where your center of mass is behind your sit bones. You can imagine it like a reclined resting position, kind of between sitting and laying down. This position also takes the stress off your spine, but may not be great if you were inclined to fall asleep while reading. The chair's seat and leg height are a bit more controversial and depend a lot on the height and leg length of the person that will be using the chair. The height of the seat needs to be low enough that the person sitting in it can comfortably rest their feet on the floor, but not so low that their knees are all bunched up in front of them. A 90 degree knee bend is generally considered optimal because legs are less likely to swell up at that angle. A seat height of 17 inches is pretty common and a good middle ground between too tall and too short. However, very tall or very short people would probably be more comfortable in a seat that's a bit higher or lower. Chairs with shorter looking legs are also going to look a bit more comfy than chairs with longer looking legs. And chunkier legs will look more casual and relaxed than skinny legs. So if you're trying to make a relaxed reading space, short chunky chair legs are probably the way to go but don't stray too far from the rest of your decor or your chair will look out of place. In case you can't find a chair with a seat that's the perfect height, ottomans and footstools are a great way to take the pressure off your legs. They are also good if you want to get into a really relaxed recline position to read. For reading, seats with armrests are generally preferred to ones without because they give you a convenient place to rest your arms while you're holding up your book or e-reader. The style of the armrests are personal preference but there are a few universals to consider. If you are using them to rest your arms, they should have enough padding that they don't hurt your arms. You also need to make sure that when you rest your arm on them, they don't hit the bony parts of your elbow. The ulnar nerve, which is super sensitive, is very close to the surface there, and armrests that bother it will be pretty painful in short order. Seat width and seat depth are the final structural considerations when finding the perfect chair. Chairs with deep seats will be uncomfortable for people with short legs who want to keep their feet on the ground while they read because they won't be able to bend their knees at 90 degrees and rest against the chair back simultaneously. However, deep seats are great for people with long legs and people who like to curl up and tuck their feet under them while they read. The only limiting factor in how wide the seat should be is how wide the person sitting in it is. It should be at least wide enough to sit comfortably with a few inches to spare, but it could be much wider and still be comfortable. When considering width, think about how you'll be using the chair. If you want your child or pet to be able to sit next to you without sitting on top of you while you read, you'll need a wider seat. You'll probably also want some extra space if you like to curl up with a think blanket while you read. As far as aesthetics go, don't worry if your chair does not perfectly match the rest of your decor. As long as the chair fits the general style of your decor and has a complementary color scheme, it should fit in just fine. The other requirement for a great reading spot is good lighting. If you want to have a good marathon reading session, then you're going to need a light that makes your eyes comfortable and leaves them with the least fatigue over time. And unfortunately, just like the perfect reading chair, perfect lighting is not a one-size-fits-all situation. For one, 
The amount of light that you will need to read by varies by age. The older you get, the more light you will need to comfortably see while you are reading. The increase needed is about 1% per year. So kids can get by with only about 450 lumens or the brightness of a 40 watt incandescent bulb. But people nearing retirement will need about 1,600 lumens, about the brightness of a 100 watt incandescent bulb. But don't think you can just pop in the brightest bulb you can find and be done with it. Light that is too bright is just as bad as light that is not bright enough. Bright lights and glare cause eye fatigue. The ideal reading area should be in a room that has good lighting in general, but also has focused light on the areas that you will actually be reading in. The room should be well lit, because in a dark room, as your eyes move from your well-lit reading area to a darker section of the room, your eyes will dilate, and too much dilation and contraction of your pupils will cause eye fatigue. For your focused reading light, you should look for one with a translucent shade, one that is just opaque enough that the light bulb doesn't show through. Translucent shades cut down on glare by diffusing the light put out by the lamp while still allowing a large portion of the light to be directed down toward the book you are reading. Grandma's old silk lampshade is actually really good at providing the perfect light diffusion for reading, but translucent parchment or linen can also do a good job. Glass shades are probably not going to be a good fit for a reading lamp. The translucent ones tend to be a bit too translucent and put out too much light. The opaque ones shine all of their light downward and provide no ambient light. The same applies to metal shades, but painting the interior of a metal shade white and adding a reflector can make them a bit more suitable as a reading light. A three-way bulb is also a good choice in your reading lamp and it's actually preferred over a dimmer for reading. The three-way bulb lets you adjust the amount of lumens put out by the bulb so individual family members can adjust the output to a level that is comfortable to them. It seems like dimmers would be ideal for this purpose, but they're not. In a traditional three-way bulb, there are two filaments, one 50-watt filament and one 100-watt filament. The lowest setting turns on the 50-watt filament, the middle setting turns on the 100-watt filament, and the highest setting turns on both filaments. Due to this construction, the quality of the light at each setting is very consistent. Traditional dimmers, on the other hand, use only one filament that gets brighter or darker depending on how much power is pumped into it. The quality of the light is not consistent as the power goes up and down. And on a dimmer's lowest setting, the light tends to get quite yellow. LED dimmers work differently. Most LEDs dim using pulse width modulation. Basically, dimmed LEDs will flash on and off really rapidly. The longer the LED is off, the dimmer the light will appear. I was not able to find any evidence as to whether the quality of LED light changes as the light is dimmed, but based on my own very limited and completely unscientific observation, even LED light looks more yellow as it is dimmed. As far as the positioning of the lamp while reading, the ideal placement is slightly behind and to the side of the reader and just above eye level. In other words, where it will nicely shine down on the book you are reading without your head getting in the way. While all your reading space really has to have is a comfy chair and a good light, there are a few things that you might want to consider adding if you want to make the ultimate reading spot. First, a side table. It's great to have a table that will hold your book when you're not reading it, but the real advantage of a table is that it can hold a snack for you while you read. Maybe a cup of coffee or tea, 
or a glass of wine and a cookie or two. Then get extra cozy with a nice soft blanket that you can wrap up in while you read and maybe a pillow or two and a soft rug to rest your feet on and mark your reading spot as a special place. Top it all off with a little basket or a bookshelf to hold a few extra books in case you finish yours and you're not quite ready to re-enter the real world. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show and learned how to create the perfect reading spot for you. If you learned any tips from today's show, or even if you didn't, I would love to see your favorite reading spots. Please hashtag them HYH podcast so I can take a look or send them to Afterworkin on Twitter and Instagram. You can also get in touch at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com or at hangyourhatpodcast.com. The Hang Your Hat Podcast is a production of Jerworkin Crafts. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N crafts.com. You can visit Jerworkin Crafts for DIY inspiration, home decor, crafts tutorials, and more.